what an intro. I know, here I am, the person he's talking about. Are you sure it's me? <laughs> it always feels so odd, you know. And, um, you know, it's such a blessing to be here with Sheldon and with uh, uh, Tony and, you know, the, all the people around you. You've, you've just built such a solid base. And uh, it's just such a pleasure always, you know, everybody, especially if you come from Gauteng, everybody will carp to. Everybody. And then they all come here and lose their money and lose their, you know, then they come back to Gauteng with their tail behind their legs. And if you, God doesn't call you to a place, you better just stay where you are. You know, my family have moved to England and everybody's saying to me, are you going as well? And I said, you know what? I, I really have to hear the Lord. It's, you can't just relocate to relocate because your kids are there. We're already living in Midrand because we relocated for the kids. Now we're stuck in Midrand and they've gone off to England. <laughs> and everyone says, don't follow your kids. Yeah, yeah. But you do it, you know, because you have a reason and a purpose. So we have a purpose for the Company of Prophets. We have a reason for this. And uh, Joanne shared about uh, the upcoming election that she was in intercession. I think you all were a week ago, and you prayed for the country. And God is coming into the, uh, what did she say? The four pillars came down, and the Lord soaked the earth with his oil and lifted up all the demonic influences. Now, we've received something similar in our God Said 2019, which is on sale for 100 Rand if you're an intercessor. So you need to, and a prayer warrior, and you want to know what lies ahead. Because in the book we have, the Lord has told us that he is sending people to actually remove the old curses and the old words that were spoken into the ground and lift them up. And we have so many promises over South Africa. So we have to start to believe it. So now that was Joanne. Uh, proclaiming that last week with the intercessors and again this morning establishing it and that's what we as prophets need to be doing yeah. we need to be hearing what is God saying and what can we proclaim so that we can be encouraged and I promise you you can talk to anybody and the minute you start talking negatively they all jump on the wagon and they've got 50 horrible stories too of how they were hijacked and their money was stolen and their lights were switched off at an inconvenient time. And we have to look at what God is saying. And we have to look at the positive because God has a lot to say about South Africa. And really, we, we wait on the Lord very seriously. This is not fluffy for us. We come together, eight or 12, between eight and 12 of us, a wide variety, not all our pals coming together that think like us. People come from other cities, uh, other, we've got a, a guy that comes from Lesotho. We had someone from Durban. We have a variety of people. We always invite different prophets onto the group. And they have, you know, it's all very well you sit with your little people that think like you. But you need to cross-pollinate and get other streams in so that you broaden your own perspective. And you need to really do that. I believe there's somebody here uh, from the arts and media that you have a heart for arts and media. Now, that sounds very grandiose. Uh, I'm on TV. It's not about that. It's about media is what you are watching when they uh, proclaim, speak about the news. 
the, the media and entertainment is where your heart lies. You are watching these people. You are picking up on what they're doing, and if, from time to time you pray for them. Who is that person? It's you. Okay. Now I want you to come to the front. What is your name, my sister? What is it now? Three people said a name, and they were all different. What is your name? Sonia, okay. Now, I'd like you to stand here. The Lord showed me you've been praying for arts and media. You have a heart for arts and media. Now, I want you to prophesy into the spirit from Cape Town, where the revival is going to start, into the rest of South Africa, what God wants to do in the media and entertainment industry. And never mind if you can or you can't. Just open your mouth wide and God will fill it. Okay. So now let's hear what she does. <laughs> I prophesy a recalibrating of the awesome media in South Africa and in the world. And I prophesy that God is removing people who haven't heard his laws and decrees and have not influenced people for his glory. And I decree and declare from the heavens a new creative scene of creativity that is for God's heart, and that is for his kingdom. And this creative scene will inspire people to come back to the Lord. Amen. Well done. Very nice. Very nice. So now she's proclaimed something into the arts and media. Now we've had somebody speak to the government which is what Joanne did this morning on the keyboard. We've had somebody on arts and entertainment, which is a very, very influential media. It is not fluffy. They, they are doing things. They are proclaiming stuff. They are having marches and events and whatnot and proclaiming all sorts of nonsense that we all sit quietly and say, oh, isn't it terrible? But we should be doing that, what she just did. We should be proclaiming it will not happen because we are God's prophetic voice. Now there's somebody in education. I don't know who the person is. You might be a principal of a school, a co-principal. I see somebody on a, 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 you're not just a teacher. You're on a, a, a different level in the education system. Who is that person? Okay. So now you'll have to come forward to my sister. Sorry about that, but we are here as a company of prophets to do something. And we are starting as we mean to go on. So now, what's your name, my sister? Marilise. Now, Marilise, you have a, because that's what the Lord showed me, you have a heart for the education, you have a heart for our children, all colors, all creeds, all kinds. You really have the right heart. And you have been praying a lot of different things into the education. And you've been doing it a little bit solo, a little group here, a little group there. But now you're going to proclaim through the company of prophets into Africa, South Africa, and you are going to change something. 
I pray and I declare that the change will start with the children. They are young. They are ready to receive. They don't see any of these things that anybody else is, but they're not, they're not affected by the test. And I pray that Christ will come back into our schools, that we'll be able to listen to music sung by Christian people, that we'll be able to tell them about Jesus, about the glory, and we'll also be able to tell them about Jesus, how, how wonderful Jesus is, not just the law, not that it would actually be just how fantastic God is and that they will have a love for it. And I pray that everybody that's on the higher levels that does not have the heart for that, that they would leave in the name of Jesus Christ. That it will be people that have the heart for children, but not just the heart for children, children that are people that are, are knowledgeable with it. Bring education back into education again. And it will start from the root levels up and that the children will say to their parents, not anymore, thank you, and I love Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Marilise. Well done. I want to tell you that uh, Theresa May is the president of uh, England. The prime minister, sorry, wrong word. She's the prime minister of uh, England and the Brit uh, uh, United Kingdom, actually. So she's got quite a large portfolio, and she's really been under fire lately. I don't know if you know that, if you watch the news. Now, she has been attacked by absolutely everybody. Her father was a minister. So she is a born-again believer. Her father was a minister in one of the little villages in the north of England. And since she has been prime minister, she has brought scripture union back into the churches, into the schools, sorry. It was not there. They were not allowed to preach any gospel, teach any gospel. So now in their lunch hour, they have quite a long lunch hour because they have a full school day. And in the lunch hour, they have in all the schools, they have a scripture union class that children can voluntarily go to. Now, whatever you think of Brexit or don't think, behind the scenes, there are things that are happening in the Lord that God actually allowed a Christian woman to become president, who is not a nominal Christian, a real Christian. Her father was a minister. She was a PK. She knows all about Christianity. So don't always look on the surface. We see Cyril Ramaphosa going around, you know, trying to garner support everywhere, but you don't know all the prophetic words that God has spoken about Cyril Ramaphosa. There's a word here that says, Cyril Ramaphosa and Musimani look as if they're enemies. They shout at each other on the TV and so on, and they all look as if they hate each other, but they are going to be meeting behind the scenes. That's what we said in the book, and talking to one another and trying to get clarity because they need help. And two weeks ago, one of our prophets was in a meeting with Cyril and with Musimani. I always get it wrong. Musimiamani. You know who I mean, okay? <laughs> Trying to get clarity on something. It was in our book. And we only know because one of our prophets was in that meeting that they are trying to resolve their differences, trying to get some order in the country, and we can see visible changes, visible, with all these commissions. I'm apolitical. I don't care who's in and who's out, because I know the Bible says God puts his people over us in government. So whoever comes in 
God has put there and we've got to deal with it. Some of them are bad, some of them are good. The book also says that a lot of the African leaders are going to change and there'll be some surprises. There was a lady here last night from Congo. Is she still here? She was here from Congo and Kabila was ousted and it was a huge shock to him. He tried to get a recount of all the votes and everything. I was watching all that because I know what God said in the book and I want to see if what God said is going to happen or if it was somebody's good idea or if it was a God idea. And over and over our words are confirmed in these, uh, in these books that we print and we get together and we print and we, we uh, sell them because, of course, it costs money to print. Uh, I also have other books, a book called Interpreting Dreams and Visions. This is not blue means this and red means that, uh, because personally I believe everybody sees things differently. We are such a wide variety of people. And if I ask you, the lady at the back there with the glasses on her head, if I say to you blue, what are you going to think? What does the Holy Spirit tell you about blue? Peace. Okay, she sees peace. What do you see, my tall brother, with the vision that you've got to sit down and forget about or sit on or whatever? You <laughs> can't remember what Paul said last night. Blue, what does blue mean to you? Remember, he's a man. So she sees peace, all floaty and gooey. What does he see? A what? Adventure. Adventure. <laughs> Very nice. What do you see, my sister, in, with the gray hair? Yeah? Deity. Somebody said Holy Spirit. So now if I ask all of you, here and there, there'll be two or three the same, but everybody sees blue differently. So if I say to you, blue's the Holy Spirit, that's what I see. That's not what you see. So these, this is a book that's going to teach you keys to interpreting dreams and visions because you have to do the work. You can't phone us up and say, what does this mean? And I had a dream. Listen, we get it all the time. I had a dream about this. You've got to go and pray and you've got to wait. You cannot have your dreams interpreted like that. Because sometimes God has the dream hanging in the air because he wants you to concentrate and focus and remember it so that when he drops the interpretation into your spirit, you know what he's saying. And you take it seriously. So that's what this book's about. This is another book called Prophesy Over Me. And I was speaking to the gentleman earlier that's helping me on the book sales. And this is the sentence I've heard from people the most for the last 30 years. Anita, prophesy over me. Anita, the Lord says you've got a word for me. You've no idea how many times I've heard that. And really, I, you, I, I, I'm a very... A different kind of person. I don't take the meeting out from the pulpit. The minute I close my Bible and I say, Amen, it's all gone. So I can't scrape up a prophecy, scrape up a anything. It's just how it is. And I've really tried to be different. You know how we don't like the way we are? And you, I mean, it's taken me 30 years to get to this place. That that's how it is, and that's that. Yeah, it is what it is. So I let go and let God. <laughs> just, just pop that in there. So this book, this book has all got personal prophetic words. If you're fearful, if you're anxious, if you need healing, in the dark hours, uh, uh, prophecies for the artists, 
It's just such a beautiful book. I know I wrote it, but the Holy Spirit gave me all these prophetic words. And I'd like to give this to somebody who has it's somebody that's just come out of a dark, deep depression, and you are you're okay now, but you're nervous you're gonna go back there. You keep thinking about it. And the Lord wants to encourage you today and say, You are not gonna go back there. He's going to encourage you. Anytime you need a word of encouragement, he's going to give it to you. Who is that person? Is it still you? <laughs> is it you? Okay, I'm going to give it to him. You'll have to go and buy your copy, my sister. I'm so sorry. And this book is one of my, tra- most of my books are training. And this is, I used to write a whole lot of manuals. And this is three manuals in one book. So you get a lot of information and a lot of teaching and a lot of training and a lot of equipping and uh I'll just put these back there. Thank you, Andre. And um, I really, you really need to know that the company of prophets is, the, the purpose of the company of prophets is to equip you to, uh, to lift your gift to another level so that you realize what your prophetic gift is about. Uh, we can all prophesy and we've all done you know, you can put me in parliament, I'll prophesy. You can put me in a school, I'll prophesy. You can put me in front of a sick person, I'll prophesy. We've learned to do all this stuff. But now I believe God is taking us almost fine-tuning that when you prophesy where your gift settles the easiest is where you're going to prophesy the most accurately and the best. So it's not as if we're going into specialization, but we need to know where we are more accurate and more, uh, you know, more, it just works best there. And that's what we, I believe God is taking the prophets into that season. Uh, you know, we've been equipped now, we've learned to prophesy, we've learned to hear God, we know that we've got nine gifts, we know how to use them, now we must begin to use them. And so many people are waiting for Sheldon to move over and call them out of their seat and say, yay, the Lord says you, the next preacher, come and preach. And that's not how it works. You need to build your own platform where you are. And if you don't have a platform, you can make one. You can call five friends together and have a Bible study and learn alongside your five friends. You can do a lunchtime Bible study. You can do outreaches in your neighborhood. In fact, last night I saw two or three ladies walking in the streets, prophesying and praying in the street. One of you were walking your dog, pretending you're walking your dog, but you're actually praying around your neighborhood. I don't know if you're back here today. But I saw these uh, two or three ladies, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three. And I saw these women walking around their suburb and I felt like the Lord wants to encourage you and tell you that you are being extremely effective. You are doing what the Lord has told you to do. Now, I've had that good idea many times. And then I get home and I completely forget I'm supposed to walk around the suburbs and pray. And then I don't do it. So it's obviously a good idea, not a God idea for Anita. But those ladies are doing it. Last night, almost the whole night, I heard Dawn interceding. The whole night I heard her, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a. So I don't know if she's been praying the whole week and the prayers came and settled on us where we are staying in our little 
uh, Airbnb, what is it, a booking.com place, our little bungalow where we are, but I heard her the whole night. So now what Andre shared this morning about your words going on frequencies, that's what was happening. Her words were coming to me when I needed them for today. And to probably, I don't know who else heard Dawn praying last night. It was me. So I was the recipient. Did any of you guys in the house? Okay, they slept like logs. I heard this the whole night. I kept, and I knew it was Dawn, and I knew she'd been interceding and praying, and I was receiving all that intercession. So you need to know how effective you are. We've been saying it, Sheldon said it last night when we were all worshipping the Lord and he said the Lord is in you. You don't have to go anywhere to worship the Lord. You just have to release. He's already there. What did you say? It was so profound and it was so special. Have you already forgotten? (laughs) Don't try and get to him. You work from the place. That's what it was. You can't get to the Lord. He's already there and you work with him. And worship the Father. So this is, you see, it's just a shift in your head. And you know, we all laugh at Paul when he says, I'm wonderful, God loves me, I'm God's favorite. But we need to feel that. We need to know who we are in Christ. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That we are special. That when we prophesy, when we proclaim, when we water water in the spirit, it's going somewhere. It's not just floating around the air. And when that lady uh, proclaimed over the arts and media, they are so influential. We need to change what's happening in the arts and media and not discourage our children from getting involved. They need to get involved. And another thing, uh, I like to watch all these talent shows, and most of the talent was trained in the church. Do you know that? Most, even the ones that are the judges, they all started in the choir, started in the church, because the church is equipping the saints. The church is the only place where you can stand up and play guitar badly and sing out a tune and still get away with it. And have, and have opportunities to practice and practice. Are you one of them, my brother? You see... I actually said to Paul, I'm sure he didn't play the guitar when we were here before. So is it new for you? You played before. But I never saw you up on the platform. Have you improved a bit since you've been playing? Is he still singing out of tune? (laughs) Oh, my word. But the church is the only place that allows you to practice and practice and practice until you become skilled at what you do. This is where in in the little Bible study where you can quote the wrong scripture and quickly fix it. And, you know, you can can do all that practicing. You're not going to go and take the pulpit by storm if you haven't practiced in your own home and with your own family and with a few people. You need to, and that's part of the, those words that uh, uh, Paul said there were people that never, their prophetic words haven't come to pass. Uh, a lot of you have been promised ministry, and you're not going to get any ministry if you're not getting out there and using the tools you got. You know, we all started with little Bible studies and home sales and ladies' groups. And, you know, uh, uh, can you come up and share? And they're like, oh, no, I can't. Well, you've got to come. This is your window of opportunity. Stand up and share as best you can. 
It's an opportunity for you to, you know, it's not easy to just come here and suddenly everybody's looking at you. You know, you can't fiddle with your ring and fiddle with your hair because it's a distraction. You have to just speak. And you've got to have it all together. You can't make a mistake. So it's, it's, a, it's a learning process. You've got to learn to do that. Uh, we have a whole group. We uh, run our prophetic training and everything. I'm in a local church in Pretoria called Hatfield Community Center. And one of our ladies took a whole group of our prophets to Toastmasters. And they went through the whole course of Toastmasters. And at the end of 10 weeks, these people had transformed into public speakers because they had a little bit of training. So, yes, the Holy Spirit can train you, but it's going to take very long. You may as well go to Toastmasters in 10 weeks and learn how to do it. Do you get me? You know, we all want to have, like, I, I always remember Jimmy Swaggart. I mean, it's really an old story, but he used to say the Lord taught him to play the piano. And I used to think, really? That sounds to me like you're playing by ear and you just didn't want to do lessons. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. So we've got to put in the effort. I mean, Andre's going to France, and guess what? He's sitting on his computer learning French by himself on the computer. Because if you're living in France, you've got to be able to speak the language. You know? I mean, I get away with it because I go there for two weeks. And then I go everywhere with Andre and say, Andre, tell them I want a, a, a croissant. Croissant. <laughs> tell them I want to buy a suitcase. You'll have to help me. And then he, I think he's speaking such fabulous French. And afterwards he says to me, I didn't have a clue what that woman was talking about. <laughs> because they talk so fast. You, they talk fast. So now you need to ask the Lord, what type of prophetic voice are you? Tune yourself in and say, Lord, is my voice to be used in the schools? Is my voice to be used in the neighborhood? Is my voice to be used in the workplace? Where must I use my voice? You heard what Tony said. He was lecturing this last week for three days. I know that he was sharing the gospel in between his lectures. He wasn't saying, quoting scripture and saying John 15 and Isaiah says, but all the biblical principles go into his lectures because that's who he is. He's completely permitted. His whole being is the gospel. So how can he do anything without using the gospel? So wherever you are is your mission field. Don't go and look for a special place that one day is going to turn up when Sheldon moves out the way. And you've got access to... It's going to be a long time. <laughs> Wasn't he fabulous with the worship this morning? Oh, sing hallelujah. Oh, I loved it. It was fabulous. Such a stunning song. It was great. You really picked a winner. <laughs> it's just got to work. It's got to work. Who picked it? Joanne. Okay. Keep talking. <laughs> Don't focus on me and so what type of prophetic voice are you? And I have a scripture here in Isaiah 54 because I believe God is forging new weapons for us. 
It's like we have to lay down the way we did things. Because God is requiring some different paths for us to walk, some different activities from us. Everything's busy changing. I, I just feel a complete change of season. And when the prophets feel the change of season, they're usually the forerunners. So we are feeling what's going to happen with everybody else in the next year or two. So God, we've got to be in the front. We've got to have our weapons ready. When the people are behind us saying, oh, I'm confused. You know, the Lord said I must stop this and I mustn't do that anymore. I don't know what to do. Well, they're getting new weapons. And until you lay down the old weapon, there's no room in your hands for the new one because you're busy holding the old one. So you have to lay it down and you have to allow yourself to pick up the new weapons. And God is forging them for you. And I believe this is the scripture God gave me in Isaiah 54, verse 16. I'll read it from uh, verse 15. No, verse 16. He says, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows coals in the fire and who brings forth an instrument for his work. So now the instrument is forged in the fire with the heat, with hammering, and instruments are usually made of iron. And iron is made of different, it's actually in my Dreams and Visions book, I actually did a whole study on iron. It's different metals that come together that make the iron that gets hit with a hammer and the blacksmith does the work. So the blacksmith is the Lord. He's using a hammer to sort us out. And some of our shapes are out of shape. And he has to, fix, he has to hammer the steel into a proper tool that can be used. Because when you start with any tool, it's just a lump of metal. Have any of you watched that program? It just popped into my head now, Forged in Fire. Yeah, all the men in my family watch it. And, of course, what can you do? You also have to sit there and watch it. And it's so interesting because they start off with a whole lot of bolts and bits of scrap. And then they have to heat it up. And then they turn it into a weapon. And it's, it's, all, it's just awesome to watch. And that's us. There's a bolt here and a bit of scrap there and an old piece of a wheel there and all sorts of scrap. And God pulls it all together, puts it in the fire, forges it together under the heat. Now, Tony spoke about fire last night. And those of you that were following his instruction, you opened your hands and you were waiting for the fire. But now what fire are you waiting for? Because there's a lot of different fires. There isn't just fire. We think there's just fire. But fire does different things. Fire consumes our sacrifices. So all the sacrifices you have made unto the Lord have been burned up. They're gone. They don't matter anymore. They don't matter for tomorrow. And some of the sacrifices you made are irrelevant. And when the fire comes, it's the wood, hay, and stubble, and metal, and what's in the fire. And I believe that's what God's doing. He's bringing his fire, and he's consuming up all the bits and pieces that we were all kept ourselves busy with. And now we have to tune out of some things, and we have to allow the fire to burn away what is not from the Lord. So you have to reevaluate what you've been doing. 
Because remember the blacksmith with a hammer, he's forging a new tool, a new weapon, and that's you. You the new weapon. How are you going to operate? Then there's fire that cooks your food. When you read a scripture and it just burns in your spirit, the rhema word, that's the fire that cooks your food. It gives you something to eat, something spiritual to eat, to hold on to. Do you know that many things in my whole life changed from one scripture? I was doing lots of outside schools and outside courses, and the Lord gave me a scripture in Exodus 33, and he said, uh, Exodus 3, sorry, from somewhere around there, I can't remember where, and he said, uh, he said, I was reading there, and it's where Moses goes outside the camp, and he worships the Lord outside the camp, and everybody watches from the camp. And when he comes out of the tent, his face is shining to the degree that he has to cover his face because the people can't look at him. So Moses is having a wonderful time with the Lord outside the camp, but inside the camp, the people are only watching. They're not involved. And the Lord said to me, that's what you're doing. You having all these wonderful schools outside the church, outside where the people are all having a ball, and you have to bring your ministry and everything you do into the church. And he spoke to me in Afrikaans, and I'm English. He said to me, Slan, plot your tent. Flatten your tent. Doesn't quite sound the same, eh? Flatten your tent and come into the camp. Don't be outside the camp. Everything changed from that scripture. So there was fire in that food. That prophetic word meant so much to me because I had to change everything. All the people I'd raised up that were there doing schools, doing, I said, listen, guys, it's all over. We've got to shut it all down, and we've got to come back into the church because and if the church doesn't want to do it, we've just got to sit in the church. And worship the Lord along with everyone else. Not about me and my ministry and what I'm doing. And then the pastors in my church actually approached me and said, we want to train the people in the prophetic. Can you do it? And I had to think about it because I didn't want to do it. I just wanted to be a member and sit in the church. So everything is evaluating. Here comes the fire. Burns up all your plans, all your nice ideas, and God forges a new weapon. So now we raised up the prophets inside the church. A whole team, we've, got, we've trained up, I think, over the last 12 years, thousands of prophets, thousands of prophetic people, all teaching, preaching, prophesying, hundreds of them doing it. And I'm not even there. They're doing it. Do you understand? So it's not all about me trying to be famous. I mean, half of you have never even heard of me, and that's fine. But now you have. <laughs> the fire destroys the germs and the insects. <clears throat> the fire has to come to get rid of all those little nitpicky things. And Andre's got a wonderful analogy of the... Would you like to share that analogy of the protea? Um, many of you probably know this. The feinbos is a very uh, is a species of plant that's in this area. 
and it's a, a World Heritage Protected UNESCO Protected Area because of uh, there's over something like 2,500 different species of fynbos, and one of the things many of the fynbos is well known for, like the protea, is that the seed cannot germinate if it did not burn. So there is a fire needed for the seed to be able, for this plant to be able to, there's two different kinds of proteas. The one protea, the bush burns down completely and never grows again, so it's dead. But the seed left behind will then germinate and bring forth new plants. Then you get another protea where the bush burns down, but it survives. So after it's burned down, it will grow forth again, and its seed also germinates within the fire. So sometimes what happens is, God takes us through a process where he's actually busy changing us in a manner that what burnt us in the past and would destroy us, now he's preparing us that when the fire comes, it will not destroy us, but it will actually bring forth new growth. Isn't that awesome? So that's what fire does. That's what your crisis that you went through, your trial that you went through, all that wounding and offenses and all that kicked out of the church and people don't like my ministry and they never received my prophecy and my family cut me off. You don't want to know what the prophets go through. We all go through that. And it's all designed to germinate that seed. And what is the protea? The protea is the most valuable flower, wild flower, isn't it? The most valuable. The king protea and the queen protea, that was the picture you showed was of the queen protea. And so they are they, uh, they, they almost the elite of the fainbos. Isn't that so? So in order to get the elite out of you, you have to go through these crises. And who do you think you are that you don't have to? Just because God loves you and you're so special, you don't have to ever have a problem. Well, it doesn't work like that. Life happens. Stuff happens. It's how you cope in those situations. When the fire comes, what are you going to do? And, you know, we, we teach the people to be corrected. We teach our students to not get offended, not get wounded. You've got to get over it because we want to be polished arrows for the Lord. We want to be the best that we can be for the Lord. Not so that we are good, but so that the gospel is received in the best possible way. So that the message you bring doesn't fall on the ground like Paul shared last night. It doesn't drop there. It actually goes somewhere. It doesn't just float around in the air. It lands. Also, the fire absorbs unrighteousness. God has a way. You know, the law is slow, but the law is sure. And, you know, we all prayed, Zuma must go, this one must go, that one must go, but there they sat. They were going, no, Mugabe must go, all the bad people must go. But they just sat there. But the law is slow and the law is sure. Where are they now? Mugabe's hiding out somewhere. Zuma, you know, tried to say there was no state capture, but we've got the Zonda Commission that's telling us there was. So now who looks like the liar? So the truth comes out, no matter how bleak things look. And I'm really just using examples that you can... Uh, f follow. 
you know, I'm not, as I say, I'm apolitical. I really don't mind who's in and who's out because I just trust God in everything. God is the boss. So also, the fire stirs your heart to flame. So when you opened your hands and received the fire that Tony spoke about last night, think about what you were receiving. It's not just waiting for a woozy feeling, because I felt like that's what you were waiting for. You're waiting for, I don't know, you did the prophetic action. What did you expect them to feel? I expected them to feel what I was feeling, and that's the fire of the Holy Spirit coming on them. And we've had reports back that people felt the anointing in their hands, and that's a healing anointing for, them, for some of them. It is. A healing anointing for some people. Was it a cleansing fire? Was it a fire that was bringing you revelation like I got about from the, you know, about the tent, slant, plot your tent, that kind of thing? What, what were you getting from that fire? Because if it was what you were feeling, then it was just a feeling. And what do you do with that feeling? You know, that feeling must be productive. It's not just to make you feel woozy, or maybe that was what was happening. You see, I don't know. But it's important for you to, to have a, a, a purpose to everything. Uh, it's not just, we don't just float from day to day without purpose. We must have a purpose. And we must have a reason for these things. So the blacksmith works with the iron. Then I believe God said another scripture in Psalm 40, verse 7 to 8. And this is really what I want to get to. <clears throat> Uh, Psalm 40, from verse 7 to 8, I'll, I'll read from verse 6. He says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. So God's not asking us to do all the stuff we do. You know, we make sacrifices, we have desires, and they're good, they're not bad. But if you have a purpose, if you call to focus somewhere with your prophetic gift, you have to have a, a plan. You have to have from the Lord. The Lord has to give you a plan. And if God doesn't give you a plan, you have to wait, which we don't like to do. We have to wait. Then it says in verse uh, seven, uh, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then he says, but I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written about me. So my whole vision, my whole purpose, my whole reason for being on the earth is written in God's book. Amen. He knows. He knows what tomorrow will bring, next year will bring. Now, what happens if I make a mistake and I go off the path? It's written in the book that I'm going to be there. So God is going to arrest me with a scripture, with a word, with a fire, with something, and he's going to bring me back on his path so that what's written in the book is fulfilled. So he has a plan. And when we receive prophetic words, we are receiving a piece of that plan. And he downloads a piece of that plan to us so that we stay on track. That is why you prophesy over people. That is why you receive a word for people to keep them on track, to help and assist them to stay in God's plan and God's purpose. Then there's another scripture in, in Psalm 139. In one, Psalm 139, almost there, the tail end. In Psalm 139, verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my substance. Being yet unformed. 
So before I was born again, before I was serving the Lord, I was just bundling along, doing what I thought. You know, in my day, there were no self-help books. There was no counselors. There was nobody. You just had to bundle along as best you could and do what you thought was right in your own heart, which they all did in the book of Judges, and we know where that led. Nowhere. Then it says, my eye, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. And the days were fashioned for me, as yet there were none of them. That is why we prophesy a big calling over someone and they look confused. Because it's all written in the book. And we are giving you a clue as to where God is taking you. As yet unformed. You haven't even stepped out the boat yet. But God knows where he's taking you. And you haven't even got the substance to fulfill that. You've got nothing. So you hear the word and you say, how will I accomplish that? I heard a word from the Lord that I must go to Bible school. My whole family thought I was mad. You. I was a businesswoman. I was in business. But nobody got it. But I knew I'd heard the Lord. So must I wait for everybody to be on the same page and be behind me saying, add a girl, do it. I wasn't a pastor's kid. I was the only one in my family, a big family, that got born again. And now I'm even going to Bible school. Do you think that would cause ructions in the family? But you've still got to do what was written in the book as yet unformed. So you have to start somewhere. You have to get the process going. And you have to keep the momentum. Any time over this last 33 years since I was in Bible school, I could have clocked out. And I even did try a few times because of one crisis after the other Terrible things happen. And one day I said to the Lord, you know what? This gospel business is just hard work. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to backslide. <laughs> I warned the Lord. I'm going to backslide. I've had enough now. It causes too much trouble. It heart breaks my heart. I'm offended and wounded. You know, I'm still trying to now become you know, mature, if I could call it that, trying all these things, and I said, that's it, I've had enough. Shook my fist to heaven, and I said, and every time I wanted to pray or sing a spiritual song, no, I'm not doing it. I had to remind myself I was backsliding. <laughs> By the end of the day, I was worn out from trying to backslide. And I said, you know what, Lord, I just can't do this. I know too much. I've, I've had peace in my life that I never had. I have someone to help me. You help me more than my husband, my priest, my friends. Nobody could help me. My own family said to me, why are you putting up with this? I wouldn't put up with, you know, they've all got lovely advice for you. Just pack it in and, you know, uh, go off and do this and do that. And I just stuck. I said, you know what, Lord, I can't backslide. You've just been too good to me. It doesn't look like it. There's a lot of things going wrong still. But you've been too good to me. I have a peace and a tranquility. I've got someone to lean on. I'm not alone. And, you know, to be alone with your own foolish wisdom is a, a crisis time. Isn't it? Bad. Very bad. 
So when the Lord is busy making you this instrument, he has the scroll on which is written everything about you. And, you know, we did this exercise when we were with uh, uh, the leaders in France of uh, another group, uh, senior leaders, and the one guy said, you know, ask the Lord what is written on your scroll. He read a different scripture. And I said to him, I said to the Lord, you know, I don't know what you're going to write on my scroll. This feels like a funny exercise. I mean, it's what we do in our prophetic schools. Now, yeah, I feel like a little student. I must also wait on the Lord and see what's written on my scroll and listen to what the Lord wrote on my scroll. This is really going to shock you. I didn't expect this. I wrote it down. And God has a scroll, remember, for everything. He has a scroll for you. He has a scroll for Cape Town. He has a scroll for South Africa. He has a scroll for the nations. He has a scroll for Bay City Church. He has a scroll. He knows where everything's going. That is why we have to hear him to stay on track. We can see the churches that don't hear the Lord, how easily they just become institutions. And don't go forward and change with the times. So we have to be able to have a scroll for ourselves and for everything else as the need arises. So this is what the Lord said to me, Anita. He said, dreams you have, and many of them are unfulfilled. And I was so shocked. I said, what? Unfulfilled? I thought I was so obedient. The Lord said, some dreams came to entice you forward. Like Job 36, verse 16, where, the, uh, where, uh, where God, uh, Job is speaking, he says, one of his friends says to Job, he says, God came to woo you to himself. So that's what God does. He woos you to himself. You know, the flowers and the perfumes and the anointing and the fire and all these wonderful things. That's how God woos you to himself. So he said, some of the dreams... Some of the dreams came to entice you forward. And some dreams to show you what is possible. But you, Anita, could not fulfill them all. You couldn't fulfill all those dreams. It just was not possible. The Lord put a match to the scroll and he burned it. And there was no more scroll. And he said to me, it's a new day. And remember when God speaks to me, because I've trained so many prophets and prophetic people, it's about the prophets. It's not just about Anita. So he says, there's a new blank scroll being delivered. Hence this message about the blacksmith forging your way forward, making a new instrument so that you can go forward and fulfill the new vision in the new way. And it was so interesting. Paul doesn't know. I mean, I haven't seen Paul for months. He didn't know that I was going to speak about this. And he asked last night, who has unfulfilled visions and dreams? For those of you that were here. And it was almost as if God burned up what wasn't from him or wasn't going to happen anymore. And for those of you, the scroll continues. And for others, there's a completely new vision waiting for you. Where you were doing this, this way, you are now going to do that, that way. Yes. And you have to be ready for that. 
and don't be afraid of something new. It's, it's very difficult for us as leaders to hand over leadership to people. And to, you know, to say, uh, you know, I won't be the homestyle leader anymore. You will be. You, you were assistant and now, you know, phew, it's such a lot of work. I don't know if I can hand this over. It's going to be difficult for this assistant to do and so on. But the assistant has to do it and learn on the job and come into their calling. And if you, if you stay where you shouldn't be, you become the cork in the bottle. The, the, what's in the bottle can't be poured out because you're blocking the flow of the water and the flow of the Holy Spirit. So you need to oftentimes just stop and even when there's nothing to replace it until you wait for the Lord to replace it. And I've done that more than once. Left things, sit and wait. Sometimes a year, sometimes six months, the Lord just says wait. And in the waiting period, remember the desert experience is not a bad experience. It feels like you're on your own, but it's that fire that Andre spoke about. What did that mountain look like? Whatever at the top there, Chapman's Peak, is it where the fire was? Where all the bush, everything was burned. I actually rode through there last year sometime and it was black. Just blackened where all the fires were and everything. I know if I ride up there today, it will not be black. It will be flowers and growth, but it had to be burned to the ground in order to produce. So when it, and it didn't, it burned to the ground and it stayed like that until the rain came. It didn't just pop up and change overnight. There's a waiting period. And we, you know, in our in, in the 2019 and this new period we're all in, we are all in such a hurry. We, you know, we want to microwave our ministry and, you know, fax through and email. Faxes are even too slow now, aren't they? And don't we get annoyed if the internet's not working? Oh, what ten? What's the what's the speeds of the internet? 10 megabyte speed. Oh, that's too slow. I want fiber. Give me fiber and give it to me now. <laughs> and that's how we are with our gifts and our ministry. And you know, it's not like that with spiritual stuff. You cannot speed it up. You cannot hasten it. And going to a Bible school once a week is not nothing. It's something. But going to Bible school every day for five years and three years definitely produces more. So, you know, we try, and, we try and do a quick weekend course and a quick three-day thing, and then we think we're skilled. You know that my son, my eldest son, uh, became a diesel mechanic, one of his first jobs. It is this long ago. But I always remember he was an apprentice for five years to become a diesel mechanic. And for six months... Now listen to this, six months, every day, all day, they had to file a piece of metal with a file in a clamp, and it had to be precise because they were making parts for the diesel engine, and it had to fit exactly. And they had to file this bit of metal, and then the, whoever was uh, in charge would come and measure it and say, mm -mm, it's still too high there and too low there. Six months, 
Now today, you take your car in or your diesel engine in to be fixed. So just take the thing out and put something new in. And have you noticed they've got no oil on their hands? They wear a nice smart jacket that's never dirty. I used to wash my son's overalls. They were terrible. You couldn't even wash the oil out. You used to just clean out the sweat and put, you know, the oil marks were all still there. And the overall back on again. But now the mechanic's got a nice smart jacket because they probably even wear gloves and they take the stuff in and out the engine and it's all different today. So everything's quick. There you go. Thank you. You've given me a new word now. Replacement mechanics. Replacement mechanics. And we pay for it, of course, because in the old days you could service your own car. Now you can't. Isn't that so? So you can't do it. The point is, is that we want to have our spiritual things that way. We want to just out with the old, in with the new. Replacement mechanics, replacement ministry. And is out of favor, let's get Paul in. Oh, no, Paul said something wrong. Out with Paul, bring in Andre. Do you understand? Sweep them out, sweep them out. And sometimes you're the victim that gets swept out. And you've just got to handle it. So it's not a time for licking wounds and getting wounded and offended. Look at your scroll and see what the Lord has said. Some of the things he told you to do were just to entice you forward, to woo you to himself. Not with empty promises because those things happen. Somebody else might do it. But he knows what you're capable of. He knows what you can do, and he also knows what you can't do. So God, I've got another scripture, Isaiah 54, verse 6, God will woo you like a, a young bride. And then another scripture that you all know very well, in Isaiah 55, verse 10, it's a very well-known scripture. But I saw something different here. I was reading... A, the, a different scripture, and then I read on, and I found the fullness. You know how, you know, we all read the Bible and read the Bible and read the Bible, and sometimes you just go to your spots that you've marked, and you don't always see the build-up to why that was said. And I read here from verse 8 in Isaiah 55, and God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. So, we have to think like God, but he doesn't think like us. He thinks very differently. He's got a very big job on his hands. Nor are your ways my ways. For the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So we're not on the same level as God. We aren't. It's as simple as that. And then he says in verse 10, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven. So remember, rain comes down and snow comes down. Now, I was in England six weeks ago and uh, the beginning of February and it was snowing. The whole place was full of snow. It looked so beautiful. Everybody loves it. It's just white. It all looks clean and pristine. It's just so, it, it's, there's a new quietness. It was just beautiful. Everything was covered in snow. And off I went on another part of the ministry trip. I was gone for another three weeks. And then I came back to the same spot. 
And when I came back, the snow was gone, but all the spring flowers were popping out of the ground. And the snow had nurtured and watered the ground to the degree that all the bulbs of the, of, of the daffodils and the crocuses and the bluebells and the snowdrops, all the little bulbs were in the ground and they were popping up on the pavements, in the parks, in the middle of the street, all over the place. It was just a mass of color within three weeks. So now I got a new revelation of this scripture because I, I'm very visual. So I saw this change with my own eyes. And the Lord says, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and then he says, it does not return there. So the snow doesn't go back to heaven and the rain doesn't go back. It produces something. It, the water goes into the ground and waters the ground and fills the dams. The snow melted and produced all these flowers. Spring came because of the snow. And the elements and the minerals in the snow is what caused this. Then the Lord says, and make it bring forth and bud and give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Then he says, a scripture we all know and have quoted a million times. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. What the young lady uh, proclaimed, what the media lady, what the education lady proclaimed, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. When I prophesy, I'm prophesying what God said. I'm not prophesying my idea. I'm not prophesying my thoughts. I am prophesying what the Holy Spirit tells me. And that's what happened last night with the people who have waiting for words that haven't come. You received a word that came forth from the Lord through human beings. Of course, God didn't speak out of heaven. He spoke through us. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. So when God gives you a vision, when God forges a new weapon, it is not going to return back to him without having accomplished what it should. So God is purposeful. That's what I see here. God doesn't do anything just to entertain or to fluff. God, is, God means business. God is accurate. God is true. And God wants his words to happen. And they do happen because they're written in the scroll. They are what you need to do to get back on track. And my brother and sister here, what are your names? Stephen and Felicia. I believe God gave you a very big vision. And you laid your vision down. There were many things in your vision you couldn't accomplish. And it wasn't your fault. And I believe God says, write that vision off. Others will fulfill it because you have prayed it in, you've prayed it through, and it will happen, but it is not for you to do. It was for you to entice others by sharing your vision, and visions popped up inside them while you shared your vision. So your vision has accomplished much more than one man could have done. 
because you have shared constantly with people what the Lord has told you. And you have ignited fires in all those people. So don't think where you are now has not borne any fruit because the word God sent to you is still busy accomplishing its purpose. And I believe, my sister, you have a work amongst the poor and the needy, and you have a real heart for those people, and you have done a large measure of it, and I believe it's time for you to begin to equip others to do it. Uh, you've got a servant heart, so you've done most of it yourself. And you need to start handing over and equipping others. God is requiring you to become a leader rather than a doer and an equipper rather than the one who goes out and does all the equipping. So it's a new season for you. It's a season for you to stand back, which you don't like to do. You like to be busy. That's who you are. So there's something new coming for both of you. And you just have to keep doing what you were doing until God releases the new. And don't be afraid to let go of the old. There's a few of you that are still holding on to old stuff, and you need to let go. Let go and let God accomplish what he wants to do. Amen.